This is Lisa Nearing with Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. We offer live online classes and self-paced classes, testing, academic advising, a special needs program, and so much more. Check out the show notes for links to our Facebook groups, Instagram, and more. Soft skills are things like communication, teamwork, creativity, and critical thinking. Skills so necessary to have rich, vibrant relationships and success, but often overlooked as we work hard to manage all of our other details and responsibilities. In this podcast, we'll offer you tips, tricks, and helps, along with some great stories as we help you develop and teach your kids to develop amazing soft skills. This entire month, I'm joined by my husband of 34 years, Dr. David Nearing, who's a clinical psychologist and director of mental health clinics in three different states. And we're excited to have you here for this entire month talking about the soft skill of communication. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa Nearing with True North Homeschool Academy, and we are here to talk this month about the four C's of education. We're going to be touching on how to teach your kids communication skills, critical thinking skills, creativity, and collaboration. And I'm joined by my husband, Dr. David Nearing. Thanks for being with me today. And it's great to be here, Lisa. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, We are going to just kick off this new year, a new decade, with talking about how to teach your kids communication. Communication skills are considered one of the most important of any of the soft skills in business, ministry, anywhere you go. Everybody's always talking about communication skills and how important they are. So let's just jump in. How do we teach our kids communication skills? I think it's really important because, again, all relationships are based on communication skills, and communication skills are indeed what allow us to actually connect and have the relationship. Right. So how do we, let's start from the early years. I'm, how do we start teaching our little, little children, even if they're preverbal, communication skills? Well, that's basic, what we call in our business, mirroring. It's where the child sees the parent seeing them. So I, so if it's you and me, I see you seeing me. I hear you hearing me. And that's where you get, you get moms looking at little kids and going up really close and going, oh, you're so cute. Look at your little face and doing all these smiling, funny little things because we're actually mirroring the child and we're actually teaching the child how to respond as a human being when we do those things. Yeah, mommy talk is really important to language development in children. Uh, scientists have looked at this, and, and we understand that you know, moms are actually extending the what we call the uh, phonemes, the, mm-hmm. the little particles of speech, like they'll say, oh, how is the baby? Oh, that's awesome. So we're actually teaching them pre-reading skills. Correct. Ooh, I love that. Right. It's like someone who loves teaching phonics, which is weird, but right. that's you're, fun. You're teaching them phonics in two ways. Number one, you're extending it, mm-hmm. and you're also adjusting the prosody. The you're prosody. extending You're extending the the vowel. Like, ooh, how's the baby? It's This is why moms do it and not dads. Yeah, no, dads don't do this very effectively. (laughs) That's not so much in their wheelhouse. When they do it, all the moms cringe because that's not the expertise of the man. That's not that men can't do that. But as general rule, women tend to do it with much more finesse and aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Right. So, So that's one of the most basic ways to teach your kids to communicate is just mirror them. And it doesn't stop when they're not babies anymore. Well, it's even when they're babies, one of the things that's really important is that the child 
when they have an experience in response to the mom, the mom responds to the child the way the child's responding to the mom, and vice versa. There's a back and forth that's going. Think about it as the baby and the mom playing catch together with attention. Right. They're they're using attention and they're playing catch with it. Right, right. And so as they go from from doing that back and forth reciprocity type engagement, even if it's pre-verbal or non-verbal. Especially if it's pre-verbal and non-verbal. So there's a, you have to see each other, literally see each other or hear each other or touch each other. You have to right. have some neurological connection with the person to have that volume going back and forth. Right. And then there's these waves of being connected and then waves of disconnection that then are replaced by waves of connection again. That's right. that back and forth that's going on between infant and mom. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then after the kiddo gets into the toddler stage and preschool stage, we really advocate for open-ended play, play that is active, not passive, and that would include just the toys and games that you include in their lives, such as Playmobil or Legos or Brio Train, toys that they can bring their imagination to that they can create their own stories with and out of. And so that that play is really important, particularly interactive play. That there's both creative play where the child does creating of things, as you say, but also interactive play, the play between the Playmobil people, or between your Playmobil people and my Playmobil people, where there's actually enacting of roles going on, and that's what imagination and role playing is all about. Mm-hmm. But that that also then then transfers over into the relationship between the parent and the ch- and the toddler where the toddler now has actual grammar and syntax and language, but that still that's, that, that continued mirroring continues to go on. But now uh, when I'm interacting with the child, what's real important is that I'm labeling their emotional states both in real life and also within the play. Mm-hmm. So I'll say within the play, you know, oh, you're really angry as the mother, or oh, you're feeling really happy with your family together. And and so there's a there's a mirroring of states going on. And then what is when the dinosaur comes and eats everybody? What is that exactly? Mean? The dinosaur is really hungry and is strong <laughs> and scary. Right, right. So we label all of those experiences as that's going along. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we get into early elementary and older elementary and middle school and high school where things might get more complicated as your kids get older and then young adults. And how does that all work as we're teaching our kids communication skills as they go through these ages and stages? Well, I think that's the age of mastery. And so as when we think about those times, we really want to think in terms of what is it that the child is trying to master during that time. Those ages and stages from kindergarten through high school and young adulthood all are different time periods of when the kids are mastering certain behaviors, skill sets, understandings of the world, and how do we teach them communication skills and mastery as they go through those? Well, during the the school age years, there's basic skill development during that time, reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, sports, you know, things of that nature, what what the classical educators call the grammar level of, of, uh, of relationships and skill development, but that also applies in relationships because that's the time period where children are just beginning to get the concept of negotiation. Mm. 
So they're they're and that's doing a, that's a change from preschool when they do a lot of side by side play, mm-hmm. but they don't really negotiate or interact necessarily together. That's where you're like, give me my toy Bamo, right? Because it's like this is my little space here. Exactly. You know that that's the parallel play that they that they talk about in in grammar school. Now we're talking about the the formation of teams. The groups, things like that. That's that little group of boys that are running around, you know, creating all kinds of interesting events for adults to have to deal with in a in a in a neighborhood. The a little uh, clutch of girls, basically uh, playing some sort of make believe of one kind or another. They're negotiating with one another, roles and relationships, and actually experimenting with conflict management. So, how does this digital age, where we have so many electronic devices? Um, at the ready everywhere we go. I mean, it's even hard to find a restaurant without big screens going all the time, but people have tablets, computers, phones, game stations. There is you, anywhere you go, you see groups of people with devices focused on the device rather than necessarily communicating or negotiating with each other. The, the devices really are designed for convenience, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all about you and your personal preferences. Mm-hmm. There is interactive software and, and productivity platforms that go beyond that. But the bottom line is that none of those can accomplish the same amount of interaction as a, a group of children seeing, hearing, being able to touch each other and working out the conflict in that group. You know, it's the group can never be about any one of their personal preferences. That's where they begin experimenting with leadership skills and building coalitions and alliances and things of that nature that are just fundamental to building human relationships. Well, you know, through devices, you lose so much information in in the oh, device you that you lose, can't really do that. You lose information in the device. Now, Correct. that's not that's not a marketing sentence you hear every day. <laughs> no, you you really don't. But but you, that's that's the issue is that. I can't see the changes of expression on your face at different angles. I can't hear the timbre in your tone of voice. I can't hear stress kinds of things. In other words, all those things we just got done talking about in mirroring in infancy and and, uh, and toddlerhood, a lot of that data is lost. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that data is really important to understand specific meaning and communication between people. And elementary school kids are beginning to experiment that with that with each other. I mean, that's that when the mom is in the house and the children are playing and then you hear that piercing wail coming from another part of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a mom, you instantly know, hey, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, how do you do a piercing wail, you know, within Facebook? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, even caps, at a, caps, come on. Yeah, caps, <laughs> right. Yeah, that doesn't even catch it. I mean, and, and we know that. And so nothing that you can do within a, a cyber world can capture all the information that's part of that relationship. So when we when we put our kids in the grocery store in the cart and hand them a tablet, they are really missing the neurological development that comes from looking around the grocery store, from interacting with mom, from demanding the Cheerios that the mom won't let them have. Right. All those kind of interactions that we would that we at our age would consider normal interactions. Young kids are losing because they are looking at a pixelated screen, which does different things neurologically than human interaction. Well, even more centrally, and, and I agree, they they have the screen instead. But think about what a mom would be doing were there no electronics with a the child there. 
the mom would negotiate with the child through, you know, a, a peer negotiation or a hierarchical negotiation, which would sound something like that. If you sit quietly for 20 minutes, then I will think about getting you some treat. But if you do not, then you're going to have to sit on your hands for five minutes for me or something of that nature where the mom is acting in a, in a, in authoritative way to communicate expectations to the child that the child now has to carry out for an extended period of time. That's called deferment of gratification or discipline. So if the child is just handed a tablet and placated, the child loses out on that ability to learn deferred gratification. Right. And to, respond to their mom appropriately, to direction. Um, they fail to learn self-control. Indeed. Um, we're seeing this a lot more in society. I got three phone calls in the last week. Parents called me up crying because of how their kids were interacted with on school buses. Yeah, it just control is such a big one. And kids learn that from their parents a lot of times. Well, and think about this. The other thing that's being missed out in that cutaway approach to the shopping experience is, okay, this is, the child is losing an opportunity for mom to talk with him about food, mm-hmm. to talk about people, to talk about relationships, to talk about all those kinds of things. And yeah, mom's tired and harried and pressured and worried about a lot of time, kind of things. But it's important for mom to remember that she's with her child. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity to teach economic skills, nutrition skills, all kinds of different things about life, you know, talk about plants, talk about animals, talk about meat, talk about all kinds of things that can be going on in the store. I mean, if you think about it, how much education could you do with a child in a grocery store? Yeah, a lot, a lot. There, right. there used to be a book called Grocery Store Math, actually. Right. Um, okay, so I, I hope we've developed the concept of interacting with your kids instead of having them on electronic devices is super important. One of the things we've been talking about is this dialectic. And that's really a term you hear a lot in the classical world, that there's the grammar stage, the dialectic stage, and the rhetoric stage. But I want to talk about dialectic and communication and what dialectic really means between people. So we're kind of like taking it out of the classical education world and just talking about dialectic as a term in communication. Dialectic is a fancy word for real relationship. Okay. What it really means is that you have a perspective different from mine. I have a perspective different from yours. And in dialectic, you have one concept that competes with another concept. And in the the, the tension and the competition between those various concepts, we begin to come to see a deeper meaning in, in dialectic and in debate. You know, you have your perspective. I have my perspective. We debate back and forth between the two of us, and we end up with deeper understanding. That's called real relationship. And so it's not about winners or losers. Dialectic conversation and interaction is not about somebody wins and somebody loses. It gets back to the concept of synergy, um, which Stephen Covey made popular. It also gets back to Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. Right. So dialectic is laboring together as we converse and talk and struggle. That's why marriages are so hard. Well, um, because you're you it is constantly back and forth, negotiation, yes, no, maybe. How do we keep going? Well the competition the the dialectic can involve competition mm-hmm. as long as it's not primarily about competition. Mm-hmm. As long as the competition is about something larger. In any kind of a power struggle the, between you and I, the we tends to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, we both lose if it's you versus me. Right. Okay. 
But we can have certain kinds of competitions between the two of us that can lead to something better. Like if we have an actual intellectual argument or debate where the, the concept is how do we come to a deeper understanding based on disciplined argument and debate. That's called healthy argument. Okay, We can have a healthy argument or we can have an unhealthy argument that's all about power. And so with children, it's important to teach children that they can actually have an, an, ulterior, an alternative point of view that we respect and we can hear. But then there is a there are ways of having a light debate or argument between mom and dad that's logical. And I'm sorry, between child and parent that is logical, reasoned, based and gives that sense, that child a sense of mastery, autonomy, power, if you will. OK, that's different from mom and dad, but still in the end is based on principles of relationship where an argument is healthy versus unhealthy. And so a lot of this, you see this on social media quite frequently where people drop their quote unquote truth bomb and walk away or caps or whatever. There is very little dialectic. Um, it is, it is a lot of shouting. It feels like in this weird one dimensional universe. Yeah. It's not it's, to pick on Facebook cause it's across <clears throat> social media. It is across social media, but we can pick on Facebook because it's designed to do exactly that. They stated that when they developed it. Oh. Is that, you know, their, their idea was to, yeah, their idea was to disrupt, you know, society and they've done exactly that. And to give you an illustration, I actually have a, a, a person that I know at a local university whose ideology is, is, uh, conflicts with mine on Facebook commonly will have little interactions. In one interaction, he said, well, you know, a true discussion is where you can say what the other person means and the other person recognize that, that that's what they mean. And I said in response to this person, you're right, bravo, exactly, you know, and, you know, I affirmed the person. A couple of weeks later, this same person basically was talking about a political position, you know, again, uh, alternative to, to their own. And I said, okay, um, th and then I quoted exactly what this person said in the post. So, they then said, yes, okay, I said that, and then attempted to say back to me on the post what they believe my position would be. I then said back to them, no, that isn't my position, gave my position, and guess what do you think happened? I don't know. Nothing. Oh, they just walked away. End of discussion. End of okay. discussion. Because um, that's Facebook. Okay. Yeah, where you don't have to, you're, there's no commitment, there's no loyalty. Well, even Except more. to your own self. And that's really a problem in communication. If you're all about yourself, you're not communicating. Well, even more than that, think about your average Facebook post, okay? <clears throat> a, is there an average Facebook post? Well, think about the, just the, the, the distance. How many lines is in everybody's Facebook post? You know, two, three lines, right. and that's about it. This person was trying to reflect back a complicated position in society with just this short blur. When I said it back, obviously it was a longer content post. It wasn't pages and pages, but it was longer than your average post. And so I'm sure the person felt overwhelmed by the position I gave them. Well, here's an interesting fact about Facebook. They love longer posts. They love dialectic engagement like that. They like back and forth and they love the longer posts. The Facebook algorithm will pick it up. So just an interesting thing to, to know about Facebook. I understand that Facebook, but the thing is, well, the thing you have to understand about technology and technology companies is they don't control their own products. Right. They, they lose control of these things 
and they don't even know that know what's happening to them. Right, right. So <laughs> we're going to keep, we're going to pick this up in the next. Let's pick this up another time. Lisa, session, what do you think? We could keep talking. I don't think we gave you some specific points to teach your kids to to um, learn how to communicate, but we want to do that. Let's get down to brass tacks get, next time around, right? Yep. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next post session. Thanks. As always, thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where I'll be joined by my husband, Dr. David Nearing. We'd love to hear your comments and questions and appreciate your listening, sharing, and downloading this podcast. We'll see you next week for another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Thanks for joining us.